Good evening to everyone. It's good to see you. Hope you've enjoyed your day. Uh, hope this rain helps some of these allergies that's turning into sinuses, it's turning into coughing, it's just turning into drainage, it's turning into a mess. <laughs> so I hope that the rain uh, that came today continues to be here and continues to come. I hope that will um, help with some of that. Um, there is an old Chinese proverb uh, about a woman whose only son had died. This woman went to this wise man that was in the community, and this wise man told her that he could get her son back. Well, that sounded like good news, wouldn't it? You know, this, is, this woman was desperate. She was, you know, you can imagine, I mean, you can't imagine the grief that she's in. And this, this wise man said, I can get your son back, but there's something that you have to do. He says, I want you to go and I want you to get a mustard seed from a house that has had no sorrow. So she got a little excited about that. She thought, I can get my son back. So she goes from house to house to house to house. She couldn't find any house that they hadn't suffered loss, that they didn't have sorrow. So when she comes back to the man, she didn't have the mustard seed, but she come to understand that sorrow wasn't something that was unique to her. I think sometimes we forget that. The truth is that sorrow does come to all of us. Loss does come to all of us at some point in time. The truth is that uh, I have, through my ministry, if you will, and through even uh, uh, my secular work here for the last 16 years, I guess, have, have realized some things when it comes to grief, when it comes to sorrow, and I try to keep to the forefront of my mind that um, every person I meet and every person that we kind of come across more than likely has experienced heartache in some way. And you have to be understanding with that. You have to be patient with that. Um, and that might help us to realize how we're supposed to and how we should treat other people. Because we don't know sometimes what somebody has gone through. If I were to take a survey here tonight, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to take a survey and ask, have you known somebody who's died? I believe about everybody could raise their hand. If I was to ask, have you known somebody who's died that is close to you? I believe about everybody could raise their hand. If I were to ask... Do you have known someone who has died that's close to you in the last couple of years? I'd still say about everybody could probably raise their hand. And as we think about that, we could ask, have you suffered any other loss? Whether it be health, whether it be financial, whether it be loss of a dream. You know, when we think about grief, when we think about sorrow, sometimes we just think about certain things that's connected to it, but there's a lot of ways a person can experience loss. And when you think about that and you think about the things that we may uh, 
can lose, and you think about grief. Someone wrote this about grief. It said, grief is a young widow trying to raise her three children alone. Grief is the man so filled with shocked uncertainty and confusion that he strikes out at the nearest person. Grief is a mother walking daily to a nearby cemetery to stand quietly and alone a few minutes before going about the task of the day. She knows that part of her is in that cemetery, just as part of her is in her daily work. Grief is the silent, knife-like terror and sadness that comes a hundred times a day when you start to speak to someone who is no longer there. Grief is the emptiness that comes when you get alone after eating with when you eat alone after eating with someone for many years. Grief is teaching yourself to go to bed without saying goodnight to the one who had died. Grief is the helpless wishing that things were different when you know they're not and never will be again. Grief is a whole cluster of adjustments, apprehensions, uncertainties that strike life into its forward progress and make it difficult to redirect the energies of life. Now, I don't claim to know everything about grief. I don't claim to know everything about sorrow, but I've experienced it. I believe you have, probably. I've seen it. I've dealt with people on a daily basis that deal with grief, that deal with sorrow. I've experienced it in my own life. I've seen it in other people. So I, I don't want you to think this lesson tonight is something where I say, I know everything there is to know about sorrow. But I think there is some things that um, we can understand about it. I think one thing we need to understand that the reality of life is that it can be filled with loss and it can be filled with sorrow. Loss is unavoidable. That's one thing that I've, I think that I've learned. Loss is unavoidable, but the more I've, I've studied different things, the more I've experienced things, the more that I've tried to research it on the clinical side or on the spiritual side or just in everyday activity when it comes to grief, loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. And it may not seem like it's a choice, but grief is a choice. It's a choice that you make to do. It's a process that you go through. We have to choose to grieve. But unfortunately, many people choose not to. Many people choose to stuff their pain away. They try to deny it. They, they try to go through their loss as if nothing happens. I, I, I've seen this with individuals that I've, I've worked with. You know, you spend time with families, you know, sometimes through a two, three, four, sometimes a week period. And, and, or you see other things or you even experience it yourself and you, and you realize that grief is a choice and some people choose not to do it. Some people choose try to just put it out of their mind, go through the everyday task of their life, go through the things that they need to go through, do the things that they need to do, and they just kind of put aside their grief. Now, they're still going through loss, but they decide to put away their grief. And that's kind of how um, our society has been. You know, when we, we have a society based on feelings, you know, you get participation awards and we're worried about people's feelings and you don't want to offend someone and you've got to make sure that you take individuals feelings into account it's all about feelings until it comes to loss then our society I think has got to where we think you don't deal with loss you put that feeling aside you move on because it's about you it's not about the other person and that's what happens when we have a society based on me 
based on when it's all about me and it's all about how I feel and the things that I do. So when I, I lose someone or I'm going through someone, yeah, I'm going to think about me, but society doesn't like to, to see that or deal with that. But when we choose to go through the grieving process, I think we're often called on, off guard by its messiness. Uh, grief is, is a pretty messy process. It, it, it's a pretty... Uh, it's a process that can be unpredictable. When we allow ourselves to grieve, it isn't something that comes and goes in an orderly fashion. We, we simply don't get over a loss, or we don't get through a loss. We, uh, through some predetermined time. You know, you, you, know, you talk to someone, and uh, I, I used to think, and, and I, I've, I've said this many times, I've sat with people when, when their spouse was dying and, and when they did pass away. I've been with individuals afterwards. I've been with individuals when they've experienced loss and, and, and gone through all the mistakes that you can make because you think you need to do something. There's something that you need to say or do, and, and you end up saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things or, or something of that nature. But uh, I used to think, well, and, and I would tell people, don't worry, give it time, you'll get over this. I don't say that anymore. You, you, don't, you don't get over it. You don't get through it. You learn to live with it, and it becomes part of you as your life. You're always going to have a section of your life that's going to be different. You, you can't possibly not. Whatever loss it is, whether it's loss of an individual, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's loss of finances, whether it's loss of, of, of a dream that you may have, whatever the loss may be, it, it's going to become a part of you. So we have to realize that, and when you go into that grief process... I think you have to realize that it is a choice that you make and it, it can be pretty unpredictable. But I believe society tends to believe that grief just makes you feel sad. That a person's just going to be sad for just a little while. But grief isn't that simple, is it? If you're going through grief, you're going through a loss, you realize grief isn't as simple as just feeling sad. But in reality, when we experience loss and grief... We need to be prepared for the fact that grief will drag us through a, a huge array of emotions. There, there's a lot of things that happen when you're, when you're grieving. When you choose to do that, and you should choose to do that, I think it's part of the process, and we're going to get into some reasons why, but when you choose to do that, you need to be ready for all the emotions that's going to come along with that. And it's not just about being sad. That's part of it, but that's not the only thing. We will go through a, a raw, debilitating, and shocking wound of an immediate loss to, to a long-term part that, that's there. And in the process, we're going to go through a lot of emotions uh, when that takes place. We're going to go through guilt. We'll go through anger. You'll go through regret. You can go through self-pity. You can go back to anger. You can be in sadness, uh, hopelessness. Even envy, I mean, there's just a whole array of emotions that will come in that grieving process. And, and what I found that's interesting that I've seen with some individuals, and, and to an extent I've experienced it myself, sometimes you will have emotions that seem to be in conflict with each other, that don't seem like you can have those same emotions at the same time. But it does happen. You can feel joy and sadness at the same time. You can feel... Anger and something else at the same time. You know, I, I, I've seen individuals, you know, you're sitting across the table with, with individuals in what we call the arrangement office, 
And as they're going through that process, I've seen families fight. I'm not talking about argue. I'm talking about breaking up fist fights. <laughs> I've seen from fights. I've seen to sadness. I've seen just lashing out. I've seen, you know, coming together. I've seen about everything that you can see sitting at a table with family. You know, and seeing the process. And what I try to do each time is just kind of sit back and try my best to let them go through the process as much as I can because everybody grieves differently. And I think that's what happens too. We think there's a certain way in which a person grieves. But as we focus on these emotions of grief and sorrow, we need to realize that the grieving process is complicated and there's not a traditional way to do that. Uh, I know Mike can vouch for this and Bill and he works at the funeral home and others. I, I, I've had people say, uh, what's the traditional way to do a funeral? And I kind of know what people mean when they say that. What's, what's a traditional funeral? There's no, there's no traditional funeral. The definition of a funeral is sentimental value to a family. Whatever can help you get through the process, that's what's right. That's what's right for you. It may not be right for this family, but that's what's right for this family. And, I, and grieving is, is, is tied into that, I believe, in the same way. There, there's no right or wrong way to do that, is there? I mean, think about that. There, it's, it's what helps you cope. It's what helps you go through that process. Because you're the one that has experienced it. You're the one that is going through it. You are the one that is suffering that loss. Now, somebody else may be suffering the same loss, but they have different experiences with that individual or, or, or whatever, that thing in which you're, you're experiencing the loss with. They may have a different experience with that, so they're going to go through a different thing with it. Even if it's the same thing that they're grieving over or the same person that they're grieving over, it may be a different way because they experience it a different way. So don't feel guilty because you experience grief in the way that you're experiencing that. But some people, especially in our society today, they think that there's a right or wrong way in which to do it. You know, I was, I was researching some things, I guess, from the clinical side of it. And, and, you know, you go through these steps of grief. They say you go through this process, this process, and you do it this way, this way. And I thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. I can do a lesson from that standpoint. But then as I started doing that, I, I started realizing I've known a lot of people that grieve, and they don't grieve this way, but they still grieve healthy. You know, they don't, it, it's not something you can look at a book and say, this is the way to do it. But one thing you can say for sure, it's a reality, and everyone's going to go through that process. You just have to allow yourself to go through the process in the way it is. And we have to realize, and I, that's what I want us to drive home in this lesson, I hope, is that God has given us emotions for our well-being, okay? God has given us these emotions for a reason. There's a reason, there, there can be a reason for us to be angry. There can be a reason for us to be sad. There's a reason for us to be joyful. There's a reason for us to have these emotions, and God has given us this, these emotions. He's created us with the ability to feel grief and sorrow, and I think if we deny ourselves going through that process, then I, I think that uh, we are denying what makes us different from the rest of creation, aren't we? You know, God created us in His image. God created us in the way in which uh, He wanted us to be like Him. That makes us different from other creation, and emotion is a part of that. 
And I think that's part of, of what we should do when we're going through these things that we face. It's not an easy thing to do. It, it, it's easy sometimes as a preacher and, 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 and be with an individual and say, okay, I'm the preacher, here's, here's what you should do, and you have this big theological talk. It, it's not about that. It's about helping that individual go through the loss of something or someone that they love. And that's the process that God has given us to be able to do that. Now what I want to do is spend a, a few minutes being reminded of biblical individuals here who have experienced grief and loss. In Deuteronomy 34 and verse 8, when Moses died, the Bible says this, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and Moses, uh, weeping and mourning for Moses ended. So notice what it says. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So there was a, a, a designated time of weeping and mourning of 30 days. Now even though you can't, I, I don't think you can get through all these and say, okay, there's a certain amount of time. By, after this time, all, all my feelings and emotions should be gone. But one thing that, that this verse does tell me, and I, and I think it used to be, I was watching the show uh, the other night, and, and they were going through the mourning process, and for a period of time, the family members wore black, or the men wore these black things on their, their cuffs. And, but I think one good thing about that, and as we read here, that does give a designated time to let those around know this individual or these individuals are mourning. But it also lets that individual know, okay, this is a time for mourning. I need to do that. That's part of the process. I need to weep. I need to mourn. I need to have these emotions. Whatever these emotions are, I need to have these emotions so I can get through this. And, and set aside a time for yourself to allow that to take place. And I think that's what we see here. I think it would be helpful if our, our society even still acknowledged a, a period of time for that. I think that would help individuals. Also, we can look here at the grief expressed by Jacob. You remember uh, Jacob when he thought Joseph was dead. Remember he, he showed uh, uh, favoritism to him. He, he made a coat of many colors. The brothers were jealous. So when they went out there, they took their brother. They ripped the tunic off. They put him in a pit. They, they couldn't decide what to do to him. So they actually uh, uh, finally did decide to, to sell him into slavery, so they took his coat, they took animal blood, they put over the coat of many colors, and they take this coat to Jacob and tell Jacob, look what happened. Look what happened to your son. Notice what it says here in Genesis 37, beginning at verse 33. And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast had devoured him without doubt. Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. You know, I think few things are harder or sadder than a parent losing a child. I couldn't imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. I couldn't imagine it. But here, even though Joseph wasn't dead, Jacob thought that he was. There wasn't any doubt in Jacob's mind when they handed him that coat with blood on it that his son was dead and he acted accordingly. 
So you have here this, this, this great individual uh, of, of this, and you see how he mourned, how he grieved for his son. So when we think, again, when we think about this grieving process, this, this sorrow and loss, it's not anything that's unique to us, but it is something that I think the Bible shows us that going through that process doesn't have anything to do with our faith, you know, we should say, oh, sometimes we think as Christians, oh, I should be happy for this. You know, it's a time of going on, and even if they were ready to go, and we say, oh, they were ready to go, so I, I should be happy about that, everything's fine. Well, on the spiritual side, we can look at that, and, and yeah, they're, they're, there's blessings in that. I'm talking on this side. I'm talking you still feel that emotion here. You know, Jacob still felt this emotion. He was still going through this pain. Um... I think the best, maybe one of the best examples of someone who experienced grief, of course, is Job. After beginning, at the beginning of Job's story, we're told that he was a, a person of integrity and a, uh, a great man of the people. He had seven sons. He had three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a very large number of servants. And in one day, that's what Job lost. But I want to think about this. I want us to understand. That's ten children. Ten children in one day that Job lost. You know, we think about the suffering of Job. We can talk about the suffering of Job. And sometimes I think we, we generalize it a lot. But he lost ten children in one day. Think about that. Think about what he was facing. Think about what he was going through. Then in Job, uh, uh, Job 1 and 20 says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. Uh, then notice, in Job 2 and 8, uh, he was infected, remember, with boils from his head to his feet. Notice here in Job 2 and 8, And he took himself a, a pot sheared with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Now, we could go back and say, Okay, this was Satan doing that. You know, Satan was behind this. There was conversation with God and Satan. And, but, I, but I want you to think about something. Job, I think, experienced grief and sorrow in two different ways here. I think he experienced it emotionally. Because can you imagine what he went through? He's trying to figure out why this is happening. He's trying to figure out why he's going through this. But I think because of so much sorrow when it comes to that, I think that's part of his physical problem too. I think the physical came upon him too. Uh, he had so much sorrow and so much grief in going through this. And so you have him suffering not only emotionally, but you have him suffering physically too. Now, yeah, we can ultimately say, yeah, Satan's behind this. But whatever the case, the emotion and the pain and the physical, all of that is still real to Job. He's still going through it. He's still facing it. It doesn't, you know, we, 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 we focus on the why so many times, but what we need to focus on, okay, whether it's why or not, it's happening. So that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're, we're going through. That's, that's the emotion that we're dealing with now is the fact that I'm suffering loss and I'm having to go through this. So we see this with Job. And I want to give us one final heartbreaking scene here, if I could, uh, in 2 Samuel 21. Now, it's kind of a complicated story. Uh, God sent a famine in Israel because of King Saul of what he had done. Uh, and what he had done is he had broke a treaty with the Gibeonites and, and killed many of them years earlier. And as David is going through this process, he asked the Gibeonites, you know, 
what can we do to make restitution for this? And look what look here in verse 3 of, of 2 Samuel 21. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Now I think David probably was expecting, okay, we want gold, we want silver, we want some things like this. Notice here in uh, uh, verses 4 through 6. And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah, of, uh, uh, in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. Now David turned over seven of Saul's descendants here, and two of them were of Saul's wife, Rispa. Now, the seven descendants of Saul, they were hanged, and the Gibeonites left them hanging in distress. All seven of them. And two of them was from his wife, uh, Rispa. But notice what it says here in verse 10. Here comes the heartbreaking tribute. Now, Rispa, the daughter of Ai, uh, took sackcloth, spread it for herself on the rock, from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven, and she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the field by night. Now, do you get a picture of what this, this mother did? Do you, do you see how long she did that? Do you see why she's doing that? See, when it comes to uh, grieving and sorrow, I, I think... There's a lot of ways in which we do things, and it, it, it's truly an expression of love, isn't it? I mean, when you love that individual, when, when you're going through that loss, grieving is, is, is a process that you're actually doing not only for yourself, but showing that love for that other person. And here, here's what she did that was able to bring, I guess, some sense of comfort to her, but also showing her expression of love by, by doing that. I can't imagine how horrible that was, but showing her love for that, I think, does show uh, uh, how much she loved them and also the pain in which she was going through. Now, one thing I think that we see in common with all these stories is um, you have both emotional pain and you have physical pain uh, when you express grief. Now, from this, I think we should conclude that the grieving is essential for our health. I, I, I think it's just part of the process. I think there's some things I looked up and studied. There's two things that you can do. You can repress it or you can suppress it. You, repressing it is actually you uh, subconsciously do it. You, you, you don't deal with it. Or suppression is when you consciously try to block it out and don't do with it. But grief is like anything else. Uh, suffering loss, I think, is like anything else. If you don't deal with it and go through that, it's going to creep back up sometime. And it's going to make it worse sometimes. It's, it, it is, it's something that you can't run from and you can't hide from. It, it's going to be there. It's like any trouble or any trial that comes upon our lives. We, we have to deal with that. And I think it, it, it's healthy to deal with that. I think we need to allow ourselves to sort through uh, these painful thoughts and feelings. Uh, I think if we don't, I think it's a mistake. 
And I think we see here examples of individuals that, that were going through grief. I think it helps us to accept, um, to accept the, the process. I started to say accept the loss. I don't know if a person ever accepts the loss, but I think you can accept the process. Um, so what should we do when we find ourselves in the midst of grief? I think that's what it boils down to, isn't it? What do you do? How do you do it? We, we know it comes. We know it's a choice. We know it's something that we should choose to do. We know it's a painful, messy process with a lot of emotions tied to it. So what do we do? Well, I think we first need to acknowledge that grief's hard. I think that's first and foremost. We can't say it's easy. We can't say it's going to be something we just go through with a breeze. Oh, I'm a, I'm a man or I'm strong. I'm, I'm just going to go through it and just deal with it. I, I think we need to acknowledge it's hard. In Psalms 31 and 9, as, as Bill read a few moments ago, notice what David says. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief, yet my soul and my body. He said it's hard. It's hard to go through it. Here, here, here's what I'm dealing with, God. He's crying out to God. So we, I think we need to acknowledge that it's hard. And because it's hard, I think we need to be patient and we need to be gentle with ourselves and we need to be patient and gentle with other people and realize, okay, give myself the opportunity to do that and be patient with myself even if I don't think myself that I'm handling it right or if somebody else don't think I'm handling it right. Who's to say? That may be what I need. That may be how I need to express it. I don't know. I've not gone through this particular thing yet, so I don't know exactly if that's the right way or not. But it may be the right way for me, or that may be the right way for you. It's not for us to say, but we need to acknowledge that it's hard. And I think next, we do need to understand that even though the loss will be there, I think grief itself, I think it can be temporary in that process. Look in Ecclesiastes 3, beginning at verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. Time to break down and a time to build up. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, I bet I've read this passage probably almost in every funeral sermon that I've ever done. And you know in every single one of them I always refer to Okay, there's always a time to die, but that doesn't mean we're ready for it. But the Bible says there's time to live and time to die. I don't think I've ever one time ever thought of the, the part of it where it says there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn. And then there's a time to laugh and a time to dance. Okay, we, we, we realize that I have to realize that there's going to be a time to die. We, as Christians, we always realize death. But how much do we realize mourning? How much do we realize weeping that we need to, there's a time and place for that also. But, but that will turn into laughter. That will turn into dancing. I even read a quote uh, that, uh, of all people, uh, Christopher Walken, Walken, the actor, he actually said something about grief. And he says, you know, when you go through that whole process, he says, it's like having a broken ankle. He said, it's painful, it hurts, and you can't walk. He said, but eventually you can start walking again. But it hurts, and it may change the way that you walk, may change the way that you dance, but it becomes a part of you. It becomes who you are. 
It doesn't stop you from doing the things you need to do, but it is different in times of doing it. I actually thought that was a pretty good quote. I, I remember that reading that when I come across that. And I actually thought that was a good quote because it does change you, but there is a time for it, and it reminds us that it's a time, but it, it's, it's a temporary time. And if we go through that mourning process, if we go through that weeping, we need to understand that that's going to lead to something else. That will lead to laughter. That, that allows your heart to do that so it can fill up with the joys of those memories that bring laughter. First, it's going to bring sadness, but eventually it will bring laughter because you remember the person's life and you start thinking about that instead of thinking about just the death. And I think that's what part of the grief process uh, does for us. Thirdly, I think we need to understand that uh, God grieves with us. I think we forget that. In Isaiah 53 and 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Jesus certainly understood sorrow, didn't He? He certainly understood grief. He certainly understood pain. We could think about all the things He went through on the cross, but we could go to John chapter 11 and see how He grieved and sorrow over Lazarus, His friend. I've heard sermon after sermon about why did Jesus weep. You know, Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. Well, he wept because he was bringing Lazarus back from somewhere he knows was wonderful. And we could get all this theological talk. You know what I think he did? I think he weeped because of his friend, of what his friend had to go through. I think he weeped because uh, uh, of what his friend's sisters were going through. He felt their pain. He felt their sorrow. I mean, we can start thinking a lot of theological things, but he was human there. I think he felt that. And I think he weeped uh, because of it. Uh, Hebrews 4 reminds us of something. Hebrews 4, beginning at verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Psalms 34 and 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. For this reason we can trust God as our rock and our refuge. David says in Psalms 18 and 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn and my salvation, my stronghold. David says in Psalms 23 and 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. So God is who we can go to. God grieves, God understands, even when no one else will. I can go to God and I can express every feeling that I have. We can see how Job did and we certainly, as we've been going through on Wednesday nights, about David, how David cried out many times to God. David told God everything. He poured his heart out to him. Why? Because he trusted him. He trusted him with his feelings. He trusted him with his pain. He trusted him with his misery. He trusted him with his joy. He trusted him with his anger. Do you have that confidence in God? We can go to God with the things in our life. Of course, we've got to remember that, again, we can express our lament to God. Out of the 150 Psalms, do you realize 65 of them are laments? 65 of them. Why? Because David cried out to him. He trusted him. Finally, I think we need to remember that those who mourn will be comforted. 
Matthew 5 and 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But we've got to notice, comfort comes only to those who allow themselves to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? So they can be comforted. You're going through this, that allows God to do this. But if you deny that and don't go through that, we're not allowing God to do that, are we? Blessed are those who mourn. In Psalms 30, verse 11, You have turned my mourning to dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. I think there's a similar experience for those who are willing to lament to the Lord. Because He can turn our mourning to dancing and our sackcloth to gladness. I want to end tonight with this. When we see someone we care about going through loss and grief, what should we do? Well, Romans 12 and 15 says, Rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep. We understand that. God's people are called to bring comfort and strength to those who are weeping by coming to them and weeping with them. Now, do you remember Job's friends? Job's friends came to him, and as they came to him, they sat with him seven days and didn't say a word. They did good. Best friends you'll ever, ever have. Came to him for seven days, just sat with him. Didn't say nothing. But then when they did start talking, then they started telling him, this is why you're going through that. They'd been better off just to sit there with him, wouldn't they? There's a book that's called The View from the Hearse. And it's written by Joe and Mary Lou Bailey. And, and this Joe says this, they lost three of their children. And they were going through loss. And here's what they said. He said, I was sitting torn by grief and someone came and talked to me about God's dealings of why it happened. Of hope beyond the grave, he talked constantly. He said things I knew were true, but I was unmoved except I wished he'd go away. He finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and then he left. He said, I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. I tell you, we have ministered well to those that are grieving when they hate to see us go. And we may do that by just saying nothing, by just being there and listening, being there letting them express themselves, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's self-pity, whether it's regret, whether it's guilt, whatever it is. Let them go through it. Be there with them. That's what brothers and sisters in Christ are for, aren't we? We're there to build each other up. We're there to encourage each other. We're there to help each other in whatever way we do. I think that shows the wisdom of God not only to help us to encourage each other to get to heaven, but help us to get to heaven and deal with all the things that we have to deal with along the way. So we don't have to deal with them by ourselves. We can deal with them with each other. So I hope that we can keep these things in mind. And may God help us to mourn our losses, but also to realize that God can turn our mourning to dancing, and God can turn our sackcloth to gladness. I think if we keep that in mind, I think that would go a long way to help us. If you're here this evening and you've never obeyed God's word, Maybe you're dealing with things in this life, whether it's sin, whether it's loss, whether it's tragedy, whatever it may be. Realize you're dealing with it with no hope. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. 
To get in Christ, I need to repent of my sins, confess that Jesus is the Son of God, be baptized for the remission of those sins, and live faithful to Him. Then I'm in Christ. That blood continues to cleanse me. I have those spiritual blessings. I have that closeness with God. I have that relationship with God. I have that relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ to help me face anything that I face in this life. It doesn't keep me from going through them, but it does give me strength to do it because that strength is not my own. That strength is His and those that He has prepared to be around me to help me. Maybe you obeyed the gospel, but maybe you strayed away. Maybe you've not been doing the things that you should be doing. And because of that, you have, you're strayed away. You're not here in this comfort. You're not here in this, this blood-cleansing flow, in this light. You're over here in the cold. The ember's going dark. There's no warmth. There's no light. There's no hope. But you can come back. God's willing to forgive us. He's willing. He, he's there with open arms if we're willing to come back to him. 